it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Super fun slate. Probably the most. Oh, we're live. We're I was live. really just gonna. I was really just gonna say before we went live. I was gonna be like, this is probably the most fun slate of the year. But I don't really see why I can't say that live. Seems like the most fun slate of the year, dude. It's wild. Like it's wild how awesome this slate is. Like it's just gonna be fun. Like to be able to to come up with the different combinations. And and Jacob, I, I was talking to you privately, right? And I was a little bit uh, disappointed. I was a little bit disappointed because I wanted I wanted you to extend the show and make the show 90 minutes. I wanted to go 90 minutes with this, and you said, no, we can handle it. Jacob, I don't know how we're going to do this, man. I don't know how we're going to do this. I, I don't know how we're going it's, to be able to, to get... Think a metaphor for DFS, right? Like, when, when you have a slate this good, you can't go to DraftKings and be like, give me an extra 10K in salary. You just got to make yeah. the lineup. But they're saying that we can. They're saying we get a free play. You don't use your free plays? <laughs> the free plays, yeah, that's different. That's <laughs> the 25-cent entries? Man, if we could have a 55K in salary, or why do I not even know what the salary If we have an extra 5K in salary this week, um, I don't know if I'd ever have appreciated as much as I would this week. Like, it's it's actually crazy. All the different guys that I want to play that are expensive that aren't even going to have ownership because they're, uh, it's, it's just, it's a really, really fun week for sure. It is. So, welcome on in, everybody, to the big tilt. We are sitting here hot and heavy, ready to rock and roll this week. And, and this week's weird, right? Because like, there's so mm. many great plays that you can end up rolling out. It, it's not a week, no matter how much I want it to be. It, it's not a week to get cute, right? Like, I wish I could go out there and talk about uh, you know Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore stacks, of course, with Mike White. I wish I could sit oh, out there. People are gonna play him. Oh, I, I know. I, I want to talk about that, but that's this isn't the week, Jacob. Like we have like two or three weeks a year like this at most, where you have to play the studs, you have to play the top end oh. guys, or else you're just wasting money for the most part. I actually have one vomit stack that I'm going to play this week. Oh, I brought God. him up on the show a couple times, and and you always you always poo poo this one, but I I will I will submit one Kenny Pickett double stack this week. Okay, so actually, I was kind of interested in Kenny Pickett for this week. I, I'm going to put one one layer on that. But we are going to talk a lot about Mahomes, guys. We're going to talk a lot about Hertz. We're going to talk a lot about Herbert, Burrow, Burrow Tua, Lawrence, Burra. Fields. Burrow, Burrow. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the running backs out there are crazy. We got guys like Austin Eckler, of course, Derek Henry, who we're going to discuss a little bit about. And then mm. the craziest part about this whole entire slate is like every single good tight end is actually on it for like the first time, I feel like, all year. Like, I don't think I've seen, like, Kittle, Hawkinson, um, Kelsey, and Andrews on the same slate for some weird reason. It just hasn't really matched up for me. I, I don't know if it's actually been there or not. But we're going to go ahead and hop in. always on primetime. That's why. I know, right? Well, I mean, all <laughs> those teams are, are on primetime yeah. from time to time. So, hey, we yeah. actually do see a very unique slate. We're going to talk about some of those builds. We're going to talk about the games that we want to attack for Week 13. Once again, welcome into the Big Tilt. We are here to discuss these stacks that we want to attack. 
And Jacob, I'm going to start it out with with probably the the highest scoring game on the weekend, and probably the the game that we want the most shares of all of our players in, and that's going to be Mike White, right? Mike White and the Jets. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. I'm not going there, Jacob. I'm not going to do it, no matter how much I want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm I'm going to talk a little bit about the Raiders and the Chiefs, which I think is probably the fourth or fifth best matchup. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Raiders Chiefs. Oh, I'm sorry. yeah, you got me on the Chiefs. I'm sorry, Raiders, Chargers. And this game feels like it's so much like by the book, doesn't it? Like, oh, you got to go play Josh Jacobs. You have to go play uh, Keenan Allen. You know, you got to go play Austin Eckler. Like it, everything like leads up to us thinking that we have to play certain players because the Raiders are bad up against the slots. So that would lead to Keenan Allen, right? You know, Josh Jacobs could end up running all over the Chargers again. And then if you don't play Josh Jacobs, you got to go leverage Josh Jacobs by playing Devontae Adams because he's so high priced. He's going to, you know, not have the ownership. Like stop me when you've heard this on a podcast this week, because I'm sure everybody's, you can leverage this game. But the reality is, is like, most people are going to be playing some combination of Keenan Allen, Austin Herbert, uh, Derek Carr, and and Devonta Adams, right? Oh, and Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau is going to be chalk as hell because you're going to end up having a very low priced tight end on a very expensive slate. So, Jacob, before I get started on my rants, right, I, I want to get a little bit of mm-hmm. feel for you on this in terms of like what roster percentage are you going to be playing for some of these guys? Is this going to be a matchup that, that you hope to fade? Because honestly, like I, I dove into it wanting to play this one badly, and I found out actually how uh, off this matchup could be if you go too game heavy in the stack. Well, the first thing I'll, I'll say up top, because it'll apply to three out of the four games that we'll mostly talk about, is that there's going to be a lot of ownership in the late window. So I think ultimately what ends up in my lineup from this game probably depends a little bit on what information I'm able to gather early. And that's something that uh, we talked a little bit about last week. We also talked about both these teams in depth last week. Uh, You know, they were not playing each other, but both of them were in the two top late window games, the Raiders against the Seahawks, the Chargers being against the Cardinals. And I would probably invoke some of the same stuff that I said about each of these last week, which is that they do have some tertiary options that aren't going to be drawing as much, especially on the Chargers side. Uh, DeAndre Carter was a guy that I talked about last week. He ended up hitting in a big way. Um, they have like a lot of first three targets for him. The thing is that he's the only one that brings them any sort of speed element to their offense among their receiving core. So they, he really does bring a particular skill set that they want to use, at least in certain matchups. He's down at 3,900. He won't draw anything. I think Josh Palmer, 5,600, won't draw much either. So I think kind of similarly to last week, where I said I would pick one of Keenan and Eckler and then one of the tertiary guys in a Herbert stack. That's probably where I'm looking once again there. And with the Raiders, I mean, they're so concentrated that it does make it a little bit more difficult because you have so much of the offense that goes to Jacobs or Adams. I mean, we saw last week that there were winning lineups with no Seattle guys and with four Raiders, with people playing Carr, Jacobs, Adams. Um, and I can't remember if it was Hollins or Moreau that made it into that winning lineup, but uh, that that shipped the big slant. So I, I think there it gets a little bit trickier, especially with Moreau probably carrying more ownership than he did last week. I think if I'm stacking Carr, Hollins is going to make it into one of these uh, because again, he's he's a similar price range as last week. He's going to have the least ownership of these guys and he gets the kind of targets that we want, even though he doesn't get a lot of, of them. They're usually downfield. They're usually towards the end zone. And so I'd probably be including Hollins uh, in a lot of my Raiders stuff and then either Carter or Palmer in a lot of my Chargers stuff which is nice. I, I like this game because there are tertiary pieces that have high ceilings because they're getting downfield targets. They're getting end zone looks. 
uh, in this spot on both sides. Jacob, Jacob, dude, I asked you if you're going to be playing this game and you just took half the stuff I'm about to say. I, I just actually have the details on it. Come on, man. You're, you're stealing my, my fire over here. No, it, the reality is, is like, you know, I'm not going to be playing a lot of Devonta Adams. I'll have some shares, right? And I'll have some shares of Josh Jacobs because if you end up not having Josh Jacobs and he hits, then, you know, you're going to be out of the pot because when he hits, he hits big. But in order to, to crush this slate, in order to make money on this slate, you're going to have to have guys that are either super cheap that hit at a very good rate uh, in terms of your, your ROI, or you're going to end up having to crush it with one of these chalkier options to, to make sure you get past some of the other options, such as like the Jamar Chase of the world, et cetera. So you need a guy that's going to get you a ton of points or you need to, to find that bargain. For me, I'm looking at who's beat, who's beat the Chargers over the past like five games, Okay. We've had Justin Watson, who was three for four for 67 yards. That's not really beating him. You don't really want those points. But at the same time, he was uh, a few inches away from, from getting a touchdown in this one, which would have made him extremely relevant, right? Ayuk, six for 84. Once again, you want to see a touchdown from that, but that's still pretty overall good. Like, that, that's solid numbers you want to see. And then you have Marquise Goodwin, four for 67 with two touchdowns. Obviously, Hopkins ended up tearing him apart, but that's DeAndre Hopkins. You know, that we don't see that right now for, for anybody like that over on the uh, the Chargers side. So, or, I'm sorry, over on the Raiders side. So, who's going to play that role? They, they get beat deep by the guy that's running these, these straight end up, or these straight routes down to the end zone, these streaky uh, type speed routes. And Mac Hollins, right, is that dude. Hmm. He sees the second largest A dot on the team for the Raiders. And we've seen him explode in certain situations where this is just the perfect opportunity. I mean, I, I love Matt Collins this week. I know that he's not sexy, but at his price, you can roll out Matt Collins and, and feel great about it. If he gets you a touchdown, you're golden. If he gets you more than that, which he's shown he can do from time to time, that's a slam dunk. I mean, the only other person that I would consider playing, because the, the number one guy in terms of dot is actually Keelan Cole, but Keelan Cole plays out of the slot. Uh, he, he runs these, these deep, intricate routes. I don't think that they're going to have time to pass the ball like that or Derek Carr have time to pass the ball like that. So I might have some sprinkles of Keelan Cole, but I love Mac Collins, man. Mac Collins is like my dude this week. And he's somebody that could help you play some of these other lineups that are expensive. So, I mean, I don't even have to play this game. You were talking about playing him if you have Derek Carr. I might just squeeze him into a couple lineups where I might have Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler on the other side of things, and I might play him in a completely different stack. So that's going to be my run back for him. Uh, you know, as for the Raiders side, I mean, I'm sorry, as for the, the Chargers side, we see a crazy situation right now because Corey Lindsay and the, the right tackle are actually out this week. And, you know, you sit there and you say, oh, man, I'm going to play these stacks. But Austin Eckler actually does make a lot of sense because the last time that, that Foster Serrell got or, or ended up having to start was week 10. He gave up a sack, two hits with five pressures on just 28 dropbacks. That's going to be the guy that's playing the right tackle, right? Pressure rates for an entire offense are sitting at like 18%-ish for you know what the offensive line allows to the quarterback. One player <laughs> allowed about a 17.9% pressure rate in the only game that he played. And then we end up seeing him again last week after he took over. He still allowed a 16% pressure rate at the right tackle taking over. So it's not going to be good because guess what? He's got a dominant defensive player across line from him. We're going to be talking about Max Crosby, who is going to tear this team apart. He's going to have a field day. He's third in the league in sacks. We're going to see Justin, uh, Justin Herbert under pressure. But the biggest part to this is what happens with Justin Herbert when he's under pressure. 
All right, he has an extremely high completion rate. I think it's number two in the league, according to Player Profiler. It's 58.2%. Um, but he has that high completion rate because his number one target while he's under pressure is Austin Eckler. I took the eight games that, that Justin Herbert saw at least 15 pressures. Austin Eckler had 67 targets in those eight games. I mean, he's seen seven receptions, eight targets, 44 receiving yards, and that's including two weeks ago up against the Chiefs where he only saw two targets in that game because they took him out of the picture. They didn't want to beat them in the receiving game, so they took him out. They had a guy spy on pretty much the entire game. So now we see a, a, a brilliant opportunity for Austin Eckler to absolutely crush this week if if we end up seeing Corey Lindsley out, which I believe with the concussion he's not going to play, and the right tackle was not practicing. I mean, I love Eckler this week. He's going to be a smash play for me. I don't care if he's chalk. I don't care if he's not. I think he's going to hit. And he's one of those guys that can get you that 30 fantasy points when you need it. He's one of those big play type guys. So I'm going to play Austin Eckler. I don't care about the chalk. I'm going to play a little bit of Keenan Allen because, you know, he's still going to be playing the slot. The Raiders are terrible against the slot. But I think the way that I'm getting different in this lineup as much as I can if I do play one of these two guys is by running back with Matt Collins and staying away from, from Devonta Adams and Josh Jacobs. I don't even think, by the way, that the ownership is going to be as prohibitive as you think. Um, there's there's so many good games with high-priced options that I think we're going to see the ownership spread out a little bit. Like, it's really easy to look at a spot like an Austin Eckler or Josh Jacobs in these matchups and say, oh, you know, how can you not put in one of them into your lineup, if not both? But you can say the same thing about Nick Chubb at 8K playing against Houston. You could say the same thing for Travis Etienne, who we're going to talk about soon, all the way down at 6,400. People are going to look at Kenneth Walker in what's expected to be a massively favorable game script and want to jam him into their lineups. People are going to look at Aaron Jones in a great matchup, be super excited about him. You know, and then that's that doesn't even take into account all the people that are trying to look for ways to spend down so they can fit in all the high price wide receivers or the elite tight ends. So I think that it's going to be hard for any one of these running backs to really get that far above 20 to 25%, which I think allows you some, you know, you're not going to get a low owned Austin Eckler or Josh Jacobs by any stretch. But I think if, if Eckler is the one that you think is, is clearly outsized being the best option, he's not prohibitive at all. I think you can find ways to play him. Absolutely. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even want to, like, I don't even care. I could play both those guys and still feel okay. I, I don't love this, but I still could feel okay going with a different team stack and, and play with those guys if I want to try and trade down a quarterback. Now, there's not a lot of quarterbacks I want to try and trade down and stack with. I don't think too many are going to end up better than Justin Herbert, but I can still play those guys and, and feel okay not running out Justin Herbert, even if you want to you want to try and do a Derek Carr with Devonta Adams, Matt Collins, and then run it back with, with Eckler. It, it's going to be tough with the, the pricing, but I think you can do it. All right, I want to talk. Okay, I want to talk about uh, the another game is in the late window, and I'll work my way up to what you know seems like the most prominent game. But this one is a huge too. I'll talk about the Dolphins and the 49ers over under of 46 and a half. Uh, and this is an interesting one where the Dolphins have been re- really inside of the Dolphins or the Lions that have probably been the most conducive team to DFS game stacks this entire year. You know, their offense yep. plays at a high pace, their offense is pass first, and their defense is not very good. Uh, in particular, not very good against the pass. So it's a really favorable environment anytime you get the Dolphins into a game. The 49ers are interesting because since the addition of Christian McCaffrey, they've been a little bit more willing to go to the air. They've been playing sort of a pass-first offense when Christian McCaffrey's in there, and then they bring in Elijah Mitchell to do some of the run-first stuff, and they don't have Elijah Mitchell anymore. So, And Christian McCaffrey, of course, is a little bit limited. So I'm kind of curious to see how they operate their offense where – how much are they willing to actually put on the plate of 
a Jordan Mason or Ty Davis Price or Kevin Coleman in a game against a really strong opponent in a game that's very important for them as they fight for the division title right now in the NFC? And how much are they going to be willing to put on Christian McCaffrey's plate as a rusher? So I think we're going to end up seeing San Francisco given this matchup against the Dolphins, which have been a pass funnel all year, given the issues that they have with their running back personnel, probably lean more into the air than what we've seen. You also have a situation with Debo Samuel here where he's questionable in this game. We're not sure if he's going to be playing or to what extent he's going to be healthy, possibly even more consolidated target tree in San Francisco than usual. And so for all these reasons, I think this is a really, really attractive game where we could get both teams taking to the air going up against each other. And I think the thing that's keeping this total down is that people are giving a lot of faith to the San Francisco defense, which has been yeah. one of the most effective this year. But you look at who they've played, their schedule has been by far the easiest in the National Football League. They have played an absolute trash heap of opponents so far this year. The only reasonably strong offenses they've really faced were the Chargers at the peak of their injury problems. You know, we we're talking about the Chargers without Mike Williams or yep. Keenan Allen. Uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs, who lit them up for 41 points. So hey, hey we, we can add in Seattle. We can we can toss Seattle in there at the week was, two. Well, Seattle week two, right? <laughs> All the way joking. back in week yeah. two. So yeah. no, fair enough. I mean, Seattle. I think if they had shut down Seattle like this in week eight or week nine, I might be I might give that a little bit more credence. Week two, I think Seattle wasn't quite. You know, we weren't quite sure what to think about them. So. My point is I think the San Francisco defense is good. I'm just not sure that it's best in the league good or that it's unbeatable against an opponent that really has not been slowed down by anyone of late when they've had Tua Tungavailoa healthy. So I would say this is probably a game where if, if there's any game on the slate where I would be confidently betting an over or an under, it would be betting this game to go over the total of 46 and a half. And I also am not sure based on, you know, the prices that we're going to see a ton, a ton, a ton of prohibitive ownership. So I'll, I'll get into maybe the specifics after you give your take on it. But early on, this is, is potentially either my favorite game to stack or my second favorite game to stack. The thing I like about this game is it does have expensive options, right? So you can go with it, but it also creates some price breaks. You know, we see a price break with Jimmy Garoppolo if you want to try and run that route. I, I personally don't, but like, you know, you might want to try and play Jimmy Garoppolo because the the Dolphins are so bad up against opposing quarterbacks. Um, but I think that you can find price breaks if Debo is out or if he is dealing with injuries on the wide receiver side uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, particularly Juwan Jennings, who I, I know he's not sexy. I know he doesn't give you a ton of points, but at his pricing, like you, you can throw him into your lineups to make some of this other stuff work. And all you need is a touchdown. Essentially, he's like a tight end, but if he can at least play a little bit of wide receiver this week, you know, you're getting his tight end numbers. But if he can get it in the end zone, um, you know, I, I like I like being able to mix and match some of these guys. Um, Trent Sherfield as well. Like there's options in this game that you can play where you can throw it in and you can still count it similar to, to Matt Collins. Right. And some of these other guys that I'm going to talk about. Where, where it Jennings, to do it. Is, is that a guy you're playing uh, if Debo sits or is that a guy you're playing regardless? Uh, so I might have him in a lineup. No, no, I'm not playing. No, no. If Debo plays, maybe if I'm attacking this game and I'm going to play the Tua and I'm going to play, play Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just going all out, but I'm going, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to go after him if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, because if Jimmy Garoppolo is successful and I'm playing Jimmy G, then I think that's going to be Christian McCaffrey. I think that's going to be Brandon. I, mean, I think but that's Jennings, George Kittle. But, but Jennings is a target in the, in the red zone for them. He is. He's a big target. He's almost a tight end. Yeah, okay. That's what I said. Yeah. I was like, he's a right, tight yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he saw seven targets last week, uh, six or he ended up having six receptions for a touchdown, but he only had 49 yards on six receptions. He essentially right, plays it as guy. their third. No, no. He just plays as their, their third down guy. He can get him first down, but essentially those receptions pay off. 
right? Those catches yeah. pay off. Uh, and then he gets the touchdown and you're in the money. Like you're in the money. And so, like I said, Debo being dealing with the injuries that he's dealing with, I'll probably play him, but I probably want to play him on the other side of the, the Miami Dolphins versus playing him with, with the, the stack on the Jimmy Garoppolo side. Cause because Juwan Jennings isn't going to get you enough points for Jimmy Garoppolo to make to, to make him relevant. No, I disagree with that a little bit. I think you can play. So I'm going to stack Jimmy a lot this week. I I, oh, yeah. I, I have not decided exactly. Um, like I don't set my lineups until Sunday morning officially. But if if you were to ask me right now who I think is going to be the quarterback in my primary single entry lineup, I actually think it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and I'm going to probably play him if Debo does not play. I probably would play one of Ayuk um, or Kittle and Jennings. Uh, yeah. It would probably be my lineup. And so I, I definitely wouldn't like single stack him with Jennings because you're right. That's not where the big plays are going to come from. But I do think that if Jimmy Garoppolo gets there, he probably needs to slow for 303, right? That's kind of his path to being in the optimal lineup, 300 yards, three touchdowns. And if he's throwing three touchdowns, you know, there's a decent chance that one of those goes to Jawan Jennings. So I don't mind putting Jennings in, in a Jimmy stack at all. I do think, that yeah, he's he's kind of the only spend down option that I'm really interested in. What what I think is great about this game too is on the Dolphins side, I feel like I have a pretty strong lean there in terms of where I want to play this week, which is not always the case. They're missing Teron Armstrong in all likelihood this week, and of course San Francisco's, you know, really for the last couple of years now, San Francisco's secondary is beatable, but usually they get there with the pass rush first. Um, based on how Miami has deployed their offense. I think that this is a Tyreek week, not a Waddle week, in the sense that they're going to have to get the ball out quick. We're going to get a, really one of the one of the worst pass blocking offensive lines already in the NFL down their starting left tackle potentially against Nick Bosa. I think if you're going to look at how this game fails, that's probably how this game fails: is that San Francisco gets to two repeatedly. But if Miami is able to find a way to have success in this spot, it's probably coming through the short passing game. And that's probably going to be a lot of Tyreek Hill stuff. So I could see a scenario where he's racking up 10, 12 receptions, especially if Miami's playing from behind at all in this game. And so if I'm going to play the Dolphin side of this, I think if I'm going to play any side of this, Tyreek Hill is going to be in my lineup, to, to be honest. And then that's what makes a guy like Jennings so appealing to me is he's a place to counterbalance where I'm spending all the way up for Tyreek. I can spend all the way down for Jennings. Christian McCaffrey is interesting because people are a little bit concerned about the knee irritation, of course. That being said, the ceiling is higher, right? He was losing about 30, 35% of the snaps and about half his rushing work to Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell's for sure not playing, right? We saw in Christian McCaffrey's first game when Elijah Mitchell was out that he operated as a complete workhorse. He was seeing nearly 90% of the snaps when it was Jeff Wilson. So, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the extent of CMC's injury and how they intend to load manage him, but we do at least have a precedent where for him in San Francisco with no Elijah Mitchell, that they're willing to give him a much larger workload than he has alongside Elijah Mitchell, whether that's what they do in this spot. I really can't say, but I do think that you look at CMC priced a hundred dollars over Austin Eckler in this spot. I, I don't think that he's going to be a guy that carries a whole lot of ownership and I mean, there's a world where they're like, oh, we don't have Mitchell anymore. CMC is good to go. We're just going to ride him. And we're talking about, you know, conceivably the highest projecting running back on the slate in a matchup against Miami where they've given up a lot of receptions to short area slot running back targets. You think back to the, the game when Devin Singletary racked up like 11 receptions. So I, I think that CMC is in a high volatility spot. You can easily see a path to failure. 
But in terms of trying to win a GPP, I mean, he's a really interesting play where you could potentially get full on bell cow CMC at, you know, sub 10% ownership. Jacob, it's kind of crazy, right? I came in here trying to figure out, I was like, how are we going to be able to fit in all these wide receivers into our lineups? And now I I'm like, after doing the research from today, I can't get out of my head that I want to play Eckler and CMC and, and try and find these like garbage, essentially wide receivers to try to fill up the rest of my lineup. Well, like, that's because why there I like is playing Jimmy. That's why I like playing the Jimmy side of this so much is that like, I'm really struggling with salary this week because there's so many of these high price guys that I want. Right. So to be able to spend down to Jimmy Garoppolo is, is really tempting for me because he's one of the only quarterbacks. I mean, we're going to talk about the other game with, with the lower price quarterbacks, but in terms of the late window games with Mahomes, Burrow, Tua, and Jimmy, like Jimmy's the easiest path to get in two, three high priced running backs and wide receivers, um, you know, spending all the way down to him. And I do think he has a ceiling. This Miami pass defense is so beatable. Uh, you know, and and I think that there's a chance that San Francisco goes more pass heavy and we know that Jimmy can be efficient, right? Like we know that Jimmy Garoppolo can be efficient. What usually holds back his ceiling is volume. And this is a spot where they might have to pass and they're they're potentially gonna be very efficient at passing. I think that he does have a ceiling. So yeah, I'm down with it. I get it. I I like it, but I think there are two quarterbacks that I'd rather pivot down to. Um, Okay. And one of them being possibly Jared Goff and then another one being Trevor Lawrence. So we have the Jacksonville we'll up against Detroit, game. right? So yeah. this is gross me. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I know it's gross. You took your, your shot a couple times earlier this season when he came back from injury. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say that like this could be his week where he actually returns. Um, DeAndre Swift. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be mixing him into my lineups where – I have a little bit of wiggle space. I don't need to pay all the way down at running back. I'm going to find some areas that I can fit him in. He he might just be a solo dolo guy, right? Like if I just have enough solo salary, dolo. solo dolo, man. Like I'm going to roll him out. I'm going to roll him out. Dolo. So I, I'm going to have him in some lineups. I'm going to be mixing them in. Uh, he saw seven targets last week. He only had four receptions for like 24 yards. It, it was not pretty, but we know that Jacksonville is beatable in terms of, pass catching running backs right i mean deon jackson had like what was it 94 <laughs> yards on 10 receptions i, I was gonna something? say 94 receptions but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah 94 receptions yeah, yeah. <laughs> for definitely had more than 10 yards but i mean jacksonville's beatable right they, they don't really see a lot of pass catching running backs this season i think they've seen like antonio gibson and then deon jackson if you want to call him one outside of that they really haven't faced any pass catching running backs and yet you're still getting about eight-ish points or so every time that the pass catch and running backs end up facing them or running backs as a whole through the air. So I think Jacksonville's beatable, and the only one that we've seen it from is Deion Jackson. I still think that DeAndre Swift can do it. And I think that if Jacksonville can actually go up early, this is the best-case scenario because this game, it's a sexy game. It has great prices that can make everything work that you want to work. You can work so many different lineups around this game compared to everybody else and you're not gonna have chalk no matter what you do i don't think like i don't think there's a single chalk play oh oh whoa 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 wait to etn maybe every single part of this game i mean no, we're, gonna, we're looking at the most owned quarterback on the slate the most owned running back on the slate three of the top five most owned wide receivers on the slate no no 100 percent. Really? okay yeah, lawrence, I, I lawrence is, okay i would i would say lawrence is favorite for number one owned quarterback etn's probably number one owned running back and Amon Ra, Kirk, and Zay Jones will all be in the top five at wide receiver. Okay, I, I stand corrected. Honestly, I don't. This 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 will be the most owned game on the slate. 
and I guess that's because it makes it work, right? Like I, I'm sitting there going yeah, through my projections, and I'm thinking appealing. that that people are going to attack all these high scoring games instead of going after these bad teams, you know, with bad defense. But isn't this, but I can is see this it not the highest total? I can see it happen. What second highest total on the slate? I think it is, but I, I'm thinking more right, so about 51. the powerhouses. Yeah, so fifty one. Okay, my projections are a little bit off compared compared to yours. Well, I mean, I'm just guessing. Right? I mean, we'll see. Like, I'm I'm looking around the industry, but I'm also just guessing. To to me, it's it's the ease of of assembly with this lineup, right? Like, you get Lawrence or Goff in there, our lower priced quarterbacks. You yeah. get a lot. You get mid range wide receivers like the the Lawrence plus Kirk plus Zay plus Amonra kind of just makes itself. And similar with the Goff Amonra Etienne, it's it's the ease of assembly where I think this gets up there. I mean, may, it's possible that I'm wrong and I, and I overstated a little bit, but I certainly don't think you're getting anybody under you know out of okay. out of out of Etienne Amonra Zay and Kirk. It would surprise me if you get anybody under 15. See, for me, I was more so projecting like like the the game matchups scenarios. Like I feel like we're going to see tremendous ownership on on the Chiefs and Bengals, which we're going to talk about, and in the previous games we talked about as well. So maybe maybe I'm understating a little bit. Maybe the salaries just haven't worked. But I've probably built about 100 lineups already, and I don't have. I probably have maybe five percent of them in this matchup. So mm-hmm. I'm. I'm somebody that that has guys from this game in my lineups, but I, I'm not like focusing on this game as much. However. Back to the the point at hand is we have a situation where it could end up uh, projecting for higher points. You know, if Jacksonville, which is what we want to happen, if if the Lions go up at any point in this game, that's not good because mm-hmm. we can't play the running backs to the Lions because Swift isn't going to get as many touches and because they, they just want to run the ball. And the Jacksonville is actually pretty good about stopping running backs who want to run up the middle. Uh, that's that's pretty well known that they they don't allow running backs to generate a lot of yards, but we're still going to see the Lions try and pound it away. So if the Jaguars end up going up early, it's going to force Jared Goff to have to pass. It's going to force DeAndre Swift in the lineups. Uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is, is probably the only guy that I want no matter what. Like, I, I want Amon Ross St. Brown uh, just because of his conversion rates and whatnot. But oh, the, the funny part maybe, about it, I know, I know, I'm – let me restate this. I'm not playing him a whole ton, but I can understand why you would actually want to oh, get him in all oh, your Oh, no, lives. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying this is just such a sick matchup for him. Like, oh, he's, okay. He's gonna yeah. Eat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, the craziest part about this is Jacksonville's actually been really good at the slot this year. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to say that they're going to shut him down. I don't think that's going to happen. But the, the plays that make me excited for this game is actually going to be like the the ones that are based off of like DJ Chark and, and DeAndre Swift, something to get completely out there and crazy. I mean, DeAndre or DJ Chark at 3,800, 3,800. I can't yeah. get enough of it, man. There, there's not a single wide receiver that's in this area that, that I saw that is averaging six targets per game when he plays at least 10 snaps. I mean, he's averaging six targets per game, and he's 3,800, Jacob. He, he got used, you know, as, as a guy in the red zone last week. Like, he, he's so sexy at 3,800. I love it. I love it more than Matt Collins. I love it more than, than any other value on this slate. I love DJ Chark because and he's a guy that can win a you a tournament. Game? And it's a revenge game. And Jacksonville gets beat deep. They're good in the slot, right? They, they force teams to beat them on the outside for some weird reason and teams do it all the time i mean it doesn't matter which matchup it is they get beat on the outside and dj chark is in a great a great spot to be able to dominate so when i'm building the lineups i'm building a lot of christian kirk i don't care if he's shock i'm gonna be playing kirk because you know he plays the slot and we don't want to play a coot on the outside we want to play the slot guys right we'll play a little bit of etn just because we know right i'm gonna play some some trevor lawrence of course but i want to play a lot of chark I want to play a lot of shark. I'm going to play some golf. Yeah. I, I, I don't personally 
want to attack this game because I can see so many scenarios where this just goes completely awry. But I do want to have players from this game in my lineups. How are you feeling about this game? Like, you know, you seem like you're gung-ho on it. Well, so I'm in a vacuum, I'm gung-ho on it um, in the sense that like, I think that it like for given the game environment and the cost of each of the players and the projections, it's like clearly the best game on the slate, in my opinion. Um, That being said, like, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I I think that that's going to be the common sentiment. And we're just going to see this game owned to, to a much higher proportion than any other game on the slate. Um, if I'm wrong on that, then, then I, I wish that I would have had a lot more, but that's currently where I'm leaning with it. I think that if you're playing this game, you know, you mentioned probably the two guys that excite me the most, which are Chark and Swift, because I think that those are the, I think that those are the avenues to get different in this spot. Like, I just think that the, so I think Zay is probably the guy that I will lean away from the most because he's going to have a ton of ownership at a low salary coming off of a massive game. And he gets the tougher matchup with Akuda. So I think that he's probably the the one spot that I won't play. I think that zero shares. I will have zero shares of Zay Jones. I'm I'm right there with you. Why are we agreeing on this? This is a weird matchup for us to agree on outside of like the ownership. Yeah. I mean, that's really where I go with it. Like, so ETN in this spot, it's going to kind of depend on the reporting, to be honest. So I think that like, if you just look at the projections, like he ends up projecting is clearly the best point per dollar running back based on his, what his workload has been. And I think that the only scenario where, you know, his ownership comes in lower than that is if people start projecting that that's not going to be the workload that he's going to see because they're worried about this injury. And I think that it's going to be hard to kind of measure like anybody who's trying to project ownership. It's kind of hard to measure the sentiment of like, are people a little bit afraid of this injury issue or not? It was a weird scenario where he was announced probable to return. He doesn't return. They say he could have returned. Now they say he's good to go. How good to go is he? Right. Um, And at 6,400, if he has his old role in this matchup, he's like clearly the best play on the slate point per dollar. Um, But if people are, you know, a a little, if, if he doesn't get that same workload, if it's a little bit more of a split, then, you know, he's really fragile at that price. And so to me, it depends. It's like, how are people going to respond? Are people going to be wary of him getting a ton of the work? Because if they are, and I can just take my chance on it being workhorse ETN at 6,400 and a great matchup with a 51 total, then it's like every single lineup, I want him in it. If people are going to be um, more positive and they're going to be playing it based on the projections, then there's pretty easy paths to failure. And I want to be betting on those paths when we're talking about a really chalk piece on the slate. So I'm probably going to monitor the reporting. I think the more bullish reporting that we see on him, the more scared I'm going to be because I think people will follow that reporting. And if there is anything like, oh, we're not sure there's going to be a full go or hasty might still mix in any of these kind of things, especially if it's vague, like if it's not concrete, if it's just like, we're still going to see a lot of hasty. It's like, well, what's a lot of, you know what I mean? That's where I'm going to play him. Cause I, I'd rather bet on, on, uh, on people being a little bit too scared. So I'm kind of waiting C mode on, on Travis Etienne. you know, Amon Ra, I think is in, is in a great spot. It's just a matter of the ownership. So I think probably what happens is if, if where I'm going to play this game, I'm going to try and stack this game because I don't really love playing these highly owned pieces as one offs or as mini correlations. And where I do stack this game, I want to find the ways to get unique. Um, and that's probably going to come via Swift or come via Chark. No, you nailed. I really liked Swift's deployment last week. Obviously, it's not enough in terms of the raw usage, but the way that he was used in terms of the creativity and intentionality of his touches yeah. tell me that they still value him as a big piece of their offense. You know, Deuce Staley's coming out saying it's his best week of practice, that he yeah. looks better. He was off the injury report entirely this week, even from Wednesday. Um, 
you know, if there's a week where he scales up, this might be it. And he's probably not going to come in very own. And there's not a lot of other great cheap running backs. There's only really a couple other spend down running backs that are attractive this slate. So he, he becomes interesting. Um, but bottom line is I like this game. It's just, I think you have, if you're going to stack it, I think you have to stack it a little bit unconventionally. Cause I think that if you roll out one of the quarterbacks, you know, two of the three own Jags guys in Amon Ra, you're, you're not going to be separating enough because there's going to be so many lineups on that combination that you're going to, you're going to put yourself in a difficult spot, but I do like stacking it. If you can get there with Chark and Swift. So let's go ahead and let's talk about your final game. Well, actually, before we do that, before we do that, I am very curious, Jacob, as to why you wouldn't run them out solo. Like, why wouldn't you throw Chark into a lineup with, let's just say, um, you know, one of the, one of the previous oh, talked about with like, okay, I'm, I'm fine rolling Swift out or, that. I'm Christian fine rolling Kirk out Chark or, or, Well, I wouldn't roll out a Christian Kirk solo. Like, I, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna roll out highly owned pieces usually that are in often stacked games solo. I think that it puts you in a really narrow bind. Like if I play Christian Kirk solo and he hits great, but tons of people uh, already are going to be rostering Christian Kirk in any event. And then you're also going to have a ton of people that are rostering him in stacks. And so it's like, now what you're really betting on is the scenario where he hits and the rest of the game fails Otherwise, you're losing ground versus the people who have included him in stacks. And I, I just don't want to ever be putting myself in that kind of an inside straight where I'm betting on a player and against his game. Like, I think it's one thing when there's a chalk piece who's kind of the only piece of an otherwise unappealing game. But when we're talking about a guy who's in a game that's going to be stacked and he's going to have a lot of ownership just on him, you know, I, if I'm playing these pieces, I want to maximize the benefit of these pieces. It's kind of the same with Garrett Wilson. Like I think Garrett Wilson probably is going to have the most ownership of anyone on the slate. I, I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to just play him solo. Right. Cause then it's like, I'm losing ground to anybody doing the Mike white stacks and I still need him to succeed. I'd rather just not play him and, you know, bet against him in, in all facets. Or if I'm playing him, I, I've got to include him in some sort of correlation, either at least like a mini correlation with Dalvin cook or with Jefferson or with, you know, Hawkinson or whatever, or I'm building out the full stack of the game. I don't want to just eat a bunch of chalk and then not get any benefit from it. No, nah, dude, I, I understand that one completely, especially with Garrett Wilson, but that, that makes sense. I, I can see it happening. I still am going to roll out uh, Christian Kirk in a few lineups because I don't want to miss that gap. If it ends up happening, I think that this game could be a mess. I, I truly believe that this game could be a complete shit show. Um, in terms of like what we want to see from offenses. So that's why I would bet against that. But I still think Christian Kirk is going to eat regardless. Jacob, we have one more game to talk about, and then we're going to jump into our lineup builds. Uh, you know, this one, it, it has so much potential. It has so much magic that could end up happening, right? Like we can end up, game. it's a fun game. It's going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be a fun game to, to bet on. It's going to be just the whole thing could absolutely go off. I don't see too many ways that it fails. So tell me like, how do you have what game is it first off and does it have any chance of not living up to expectations well we're gonna talk about the chiefs and the bengals which is the highest over under game on the slate and it is an awesome game it's the rematch of course of the afc championship game um i think that any game at arrowhead quite frankly has more of a path to failure than people think i mean we've seen these splits with the chiefs where their offense shows up wherever they go but their defense plays so much better at home that we've seen. I remember like the Chiefs Dallas spot last week or last year where there was so, so, so much ownership on that spot. <laughs> and it just ended up being kind of a defensive struggle. And we've seen that happen in other spots with the Chiefs where sometimes their defense is able to play at such a high level at home. 
that the game doesn't really get to where you necessarily want it to go. So I think that there is fragility in any spotted arrowhead. And especially when we're talking about the Bengals are naturally a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. Like we, we see when they're clicking and they're at their peak, they're a DFS dream because they pass a lot. They pass down the field. They're a condensed offense. You know, most of the offense really does flow through chase and Higgins and the running back. And it's phenomenal. And other times, you know, their offensive line isn't blocking very effectively. Joe Burrow's hanging on to the ball too long. They're running Joe Mixon up the gut on first and 10 all the time for reasons only known to Zach Taylor. And you look up at the end of the game and it's 20 to 16, right? That's just kind of how the Bengals roll. You never know what you're going to get. That being all said, as much as I think that there is a little bit of fragility to this game, uh, I don't think it's going to be that owned just based on the, on how you actually go and build lineups. Like really people will want to play a piece of this game, but on like try and stack this game. Right. I tried. I tried earlier when we were talking about which games we would discuss. I was in the middle of building lineups. Right. And and I was like, dude, I, I looked at my percentages for which games like I was stacking and I might've had like 5% on a stack of this game because I couldn't make any lineups work. I couldn't make any lineups work. It's very difficult. It's like everything that I talked about with the last game where, you know, it's very easy to build lineups with Jacksonville and Detroit. It's very difficult, especially from the Burrow side, where if you're playing Burrow, you know, the natural inclination is going to be people want to stack Burrow with Chase and with Higgins. Uh, And then, you know, on the Chiefs side, what's the bring back? You know, ideally you want to play Kelsey if they're playing a Chiefs Bengal stack. And and it becomes almost impossible to fill a lineup with this. And so it does become pretty price prohibitive pretty quickly. I think that, We'll note right now that as at the moment, we don't know if Joe Mixon is going to play or not. There is an $1,100 price difference between P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. And so if we go down from Mixon to P. Ryan, you know, P. Ryan probably a lot more owned than Mixon will be. Uh, so that that's certainly one area. I think that the thing that's driving me a little bit crazy is I'm looking at projections and I'm seeing pretty low ownership across the board for the Chiefs guys. And I'm not sure that that actually happens because I think people will just want to get into this game regardless i remember we saw this with the chiefs and the bills game where the ownership it just kind of ended up getting under projected on a lot of the chiefs guys because even if they didn't project particularly well individually people wanted to attack the game and they wanted to play pieces of it and i think with the chiefs the issue is who the hell do we play so that's kind of what i want to talk through with you because i think that that's where the upside is with this game is that the chiefs have the more cost effective options to you know, be able to double or triple stack Mahomes with guys who don't cost a whole lot of salary. The issue is, is trying to figure out which one, right? So we know obviously what Kelsey is doing, but if you're either trying to pick a second or third guy with Kelsey, or if you want to play it, not through Kelsey, uh, that becomes the question. We have Juju $5,700 coming off, barely playing last week. We have MVS at 4k who's generally been pretty useless for most of the course of this year. And then we have Justin Watson and Sky Moore, and we're probably going to see some semblance of a four-person rotation. Watson and Moore are near the minimum, 3,200 and 3,100 respectively. I'm not seeing any of these guys project for you know a whole lot of ownership. It's possible that Mahomes stacks will end up dragging them up closer to 10. But what are the guys that you're most interested in? Because I do think that if you you know want to get access to this game with this total and not expend a lot of salary, the way to do it would be like Mahomes, Juju, and like Sky or Watson or MVS and whatever you want on the Bengals side. And, and that's kind of, it builds a lot easier. So th- what the Bengals struggle up against, right, is like possession receivers. We, we've seen it 
time after time. I mean, Terrace Marshall, I think, was the leading receiver in that game. He's a possession guy. Um, we had Mari Cooper, you know, go off against them or, or have a decent game. It, it's interesting, like, how they can't defend possession guys. And, and that's what we know Juju is. And at Juju 5,700, listen, I don't care what he's done. He can go off any week. He, he's seen the targets. And we've talked about it. He's always seen the targets. And I just I, I want to play Juju. I, I probably will have more shares of Juju than I will Travis Kelsey because mm. I want to get shares of, of other expensive players in other games. So Juju makes that happen. And, and him at 5,700, he, he might be my highest owned player that I don't love. Like, I will probably have too many shares of Juju because I don't love him, but it just makes sense. You know, like, it, it, just, it just works. It makes lineups work. So my issue... Now it's like, okay, Juju's not going to do it all by himself because he's not going to get any yardage. He's just going to get a ton of receptions. He can just move the, you know, move the chains. We might see a touchdown with him and it's cool. But like, can I go with, with Justin Watson? Can I go with MVS? And honestly, like, I don't feel confident playing any of these guys. And so I'm building lineups. And I think that's why I actually stopped attacking this game. So I was building them earlier today and I'm building lineups and I'm going through it. And I'm like, okay, I love this game. But I don't know if I feel comfortable playing any of these guys. I really don't. Like, I don't feel good. So, like, guys that I want to have in, like, 5% of my lineups, I maxed out my contest within, you know, like a third of the way through. Not even a third of the way through. I, it was literally 15% of the way through. I was like, okay, I'm done playing this contest now. I don't know what else to do. So, uh, for me, I I love Patrick Holmes. I, I, this week, I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's a great play. And I'm going to be playing Travis Kelsey. And then I'm going to have sprinkles about every single other player because it just doesn't make sense. Like, it, it, there is no rhyme or reason as to why certain wide receivers end up crushing it. There, there is nothing there that tells me that I want to play MBS. There's nothing there that tells me that, that I want to play any of these guys. Watson, Juju uh, uh, Smith-Schuster. <laughs> I wanted to play Kadarius Tony, but he's already been ruled out. So... You know, that, that's about it. Like, even at the running back position, I'm, I'm nervous about the whole running back position. I, I don't want to roll any of those guys out. Well, this is probably how I'd look at the, the Chiefs wide receivers. So I think that, you know, Juju, I, I think that the reduction in snaps was an aberration. Like, I, I, I'm pretty confident that his oh, snaps yeah, yeah, are going to yeah. come back up and that he's going to run at least 70% of the routes this week. And I think that he's a smash pick. I think that that would be the guy that I'm most intrigued by as well. In terms of the other guys, like, I'm not sure why they keep letting MVS run all the routes, to be honest. He's been pitiful. He performs <laughs> because he's Jalen Guyton. <laughs> but like Justin Watson, when he's out there, performs a pretty similar route tree to MVS and is better at it. Like he's been able to draw more targets, earn more yards. He's been more efficient. He's been more effective. I wish that they Jacob, would just bench MVS from existence, but they won't. Jacob, you know how I like weird players, right? Like I like Donovan Peoples Jones forever. Like I like yeah. the, Justin Watson is one of my guys, and I've been saying that since day one, but like no. Nobody likes him, like, outside of, like, you know, his practice. It's insane because every time he goes out there, he produces. All the way back to the Senior Bowl. Right. He produced in the Senior Bowl. Like, he was shaking guys left or right. It's so this weird how don't, teams don't like is, him. Because this is the thing. Like, I, I've been, you know, people have been saying, oh, why don't they ditch? Like, before, when everybody was healthy, right? Like, early in the season, people were saying, why don't they just ditch MVS and essentially replace his routes with, like, some combination of Sky and Hardman. It's like, well, you know, is that how I might choose to orient my offense? Probably. But given that the Chiefs have chosen to orient their offense with like a big outside wide receiver running deep routes, 
I understand why you can't just look at Sky Moore or Hardman and be like, oh, you know, we're going to sub this guy in one for one because they don't they don't bring the same thing to the offense. The Chiefs have decided that they want this from the offense. But Justin Watson then was a guy that, you know, I wasn't expecting anything of this season. But whenever he's played, he can be deployed in a more similar fashion to MVS, and he is better at it. All this to say, I'm, I'm not sure that they're actually going to make that change. Like, it's kind of a thing that I would be excited to see. I'm going to have to believe it when I see it because they seem committed to keeping MVS involved in the offense. And so I think he becomes the best option where if he's not going to be owned, we know he's going to have the routes. We know his targets are going to be deep down the field. That's probably the guy that I would be the most comfortable with. But I will say this for Sky Moore, you know, they've used Hardman a lot at the goal line this season. We didn't see, well, Sky actually did get one green zone touch this last week. I uh, didn't get in the end zone, of course. You know, we saw last week that they, you know, even though they eased Juju back in, they used Sky not really in Juju's role. I think if anything, they might have used Justin Watson closer to Juju's role. And a lot of what Sky was doing was stuff that Hardman was doing, right? He was running these little jet motions. He's doing the stuff where he starts in the backfield. He leaks out. Like, it seems like that's kind of what they were doing. And so I think that Juju's snaps might come more at the expense of Justin Watson than they do come at the expense of Sky Moore. And with the way that they were using Hardman around the goal line, you know, if Sky's going to get some of that stuff, then he becomes interesting. And because, because of that role that they have, like he doesn't need as many snaps to earn as many targets, right? Like we're talking about MVS and Justin Watson, where if they're going to get the five targets, they need to play almost every snap of the game with Sky. He's been earning targets at like 40% uh, of his routes. Partially that's because he's good. And partially that's because they're just getting some stuff, these easy scheme touches that they were giving Hardman. And so I think him at $3,100, you know, even if he runs 30, 40% of the routes, we've seen this with Hardman where he's only running half the routes and he could easily pay off a 3k salary, you know, as, as a second piece of a stack. So I'm probably going to play a lot of sky. I will say this for the whole thing. Um, I think that if I was running MME, like if I was just max ending 150 lineups, I would probably make like 50 of them stacks of this game. And I would just say one of MVS sky or Watson yeah. in every one of them. And I would just rotate through them all. You know, I, that's not unfortunately what I'm playing. I'm playing like probably eight lineups. Um, so it's a lot harder when you have to pick the one to put in your single entry lineup. My preference Chico. is probably Sky and then MVS and then Watson, but I think it could be any one of these guys. Jacob, you need to use the, the player profiler DFS optimizer because like that allows me to go in and play all these 25 cent contests and like try to optimize, you know, which ones I'm doing. So, I mean, like, when I played like the bigger contest, right? When I'm putting in money into the to $10, $20, $50 contest, I'll do like five of those a week, right? But when I end up using the DFS optimizer, I will literally put a hundred different lineups in the DFS DFS optimizer over there on player profiler and, and do 25 cent contests all the time. Cause guess what? You're never going to end up getting over what? 10, 15 bucks. So I'll mm-hmm. take it, man. All right. Let's go ahead and let's build a lineup. I did want to talk a little bit about the Titans and the Eagles. I'm not going to have time to do that. I love the Just Titans. Just give a, give a 30 second take on what you would do if you're playing that game. I can't give a 30 second take. Jacob, well, just do it. All right. I'm fading the running backs uh, for the Eagles. I'm playing Derrick Henry. Uh, I cannot play Traylon Burks whatsoever. Um, I think Austin Hooper, somewhat interesting, but I don't love it. Or, yeah. Also, for someone interesting, I don't love it. Um, and then I would I'd probably do stacks with Jalen Hurts and, and of course, Devonta Smith and AJ, uh, AJ Brown. And then I will say this quick. Um, if I'm playing not one of these big, big games in terms of my stack, 
I would play a Kenny Pickett double stack. Atlanta has been horrible versus uh, opposing quarterbacks, opposing passing offenses the entire year, honestly, with or without A.J. Terrell. And he's been much better. He's allowed them to be much better. But yes, I agree. Um, and I think that it's not necessarily an opportunity cost if you play that game where you can't get access to the other games. I think that it allows you to save so much salary if you play something like Pickett plus you know two of Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens that then – you're opening up salary for you to be able to get in multiple mini correlations of higher priced options from the other games. Right. And that's kind of what I would like to do is in the scenario where there's multiple of these games that can hit, can I pick out the little mini correlations and then just create a baseline with one of these cheaper stacks. And I think that the picket stack is one where you can do that. All right. So let's go ahead and build a lineup. Uh, Where do we want to start a quarterback, man? Because we went through a bunch of them and honestly, I want to build a fun lineup, but you know, Breaking the bank seems like inevitable with, with the stack because we don't want to play the the Lions and Jacksonville game. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk or I don't want to build a stack off of a team that we haven't talked about. So, like, Garoppolo? I'm down with Garoppolo? Jimmy for sure, but I'm down with Mahomes too. I'm down with Burrow. I'm down with Tua. I'm down with whatever, a quarterback. Like, I think you can build awesome lineups with a lot of different ways this week. I'm flexible. All right, let's – uh. Let me go ahead. I need to slide this over. I mean, Garoppolo probably values. lets us have the most fun because we have the most salary left if we do that. God, that's so gross, man. Like, that's that's worse than than anything I've said all year. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't as bad as Kyle Allen. Um, let's go ahead. Uh, yeah, I can't believe that. That was disgusting. That was <laughs> it disgusting. Bad. It was bad. Let's, uh, Are you excited to play Chris Moore this week, though? Because Brandon Cooks is, is out. God. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. No, I'm not. All right. Let's uh, let's go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it, All right. It's, sweet. I, I hate it, but let's go with it. I'm I'm more so on like Mike White and those guys, but I'll, I'll take it. All right. So who are we going to stack with Jimmy G? Oh, man, this makes it difficult because we don't know if, if Debo Samuel is playing, but let's assume that that he's limited uh, at best by Sunday kickoff. Yeah. So we're not going to play Debo. I guess the question is like, I think you can play any of the other guys. If Debo doesn't play, I don't know that Jennings is as workable if Debo does play, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm open to whoever I'm, I'm open to any, any two of CMC, Ayuk, uh, Kittle and, and Jennings. You know what? We should have fun with this lineup. We should just do some crazy shit that we don't normally do. Uh, because right, let's do Jennings then. And so that, yeah. let's do Jennings so that we can fit in Tyreek. Cause we're going to need salary if we want to put Tyreek in this with Jimmy. I agree 100%. CMC plus Tyreek will be hard to make work, and I think Jennings can make it work. I think that he could. I also think that we could do a uh, a mini stack over here with Mac Hollins. Do we think we can fit an Austin Eckler with that? I mean, let's try, right? Let's let's see. All right, so we have Mac Hollins. This is weird, man. We're getting along way too well in this episode, dude. Eckler? All right, I don't think it's gonna. Possible. I don't think it's gonna work. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, and, and then we're gonna play Sky more. What's happening right now? This is way too fast. Uh, can I? Can Here I? Here we go. A... Now, now we can make it fit. <laughs> now we're good. <laughs> can I pitch a weird one to you outside of Sky more? Okay. Uh, uh, just, just for the hell of it. Just because, like, you know, we're on the show. We want to talk about some of these other values. Uh, Kieran Williams, who ran the second most routes on the entire team, he had the oh, second most. No. He had the second most targets. He's up against Seahawks. Jacob, What's their Jacob, team total six. I don't care, Jacob. I'm just saying you can run him out solo. He'll have zero, zero ownership. Um, n- nothing for you. He doesn't do anything. Like if he gets the targets, he had the second most targets on I the mean, team. He, I th- what's his salary at? 
it's probably nothing. It's, well, I think it's check. like fifty five k. Well, check. I, I haven't cool. looked at the Rams because I don't. I don't play Rams. <laughs> I, I know. I was just going through, and I was. If you do under, yeah. I mean, look, it's a good matchup. Um, I guess my concern is is just ceiling, right? Like, what are we what are we striving for here? Like, are the Rams going to score an offensive touchdown? No, probably not. I, I just wanted to throw it out there as like an option, you know, to pivot I down. Think it's, he's too so expensive. He's too expensive. I think he's an interesting floor play. I'm just, I struggle with the ceiling on him. Like, I, I struggle to see how he gets to like even 20. Yeah. I mean, no, if Sky it, Moore struggles to get to 20, but Sky Moore's 3,100, right? If Sky Moore gets you to 12, you can build a winning lineup with that. 100% because you get that, that four times multiplier. So I, I'm, I like Sky Moore. I just wanted to throw it out there as like a, a thought process because I, he, I think he is there. He does have a decent floor. I think he's great, great for cash games. Uh, GPPs, workable, workable you know, in cash. Yeah, um, all right, let's let's do uh, okay. Let's put in a defense here, and we're actually swimming in salary, believe it or not. <laughs> we're swimming. We might, in be able to, we might even be able to upgrade one of these spots. All right, <laughs> all right. So, uh, God, which one do we want to go with here? I think the, like I think the cheapest like workable would be like the Broncos. I, I was just thinking that was the first one. Okay. And honestly, I would actually choose the the Raiders if we didn't have. Yeah, we're not doing it against that color. Yeah, not against Eckler, but I, I really love the Raiders this week. I think the Raiders are in a great spot. Very similar to why you said yeah. – uh, um, anyways, I, I can't remember who we were talking about. Oh, no, it wasn't the Chiefs. The Niners. Anyways, the Niners. It was the Niners, yeah, but they're expensive. Yeah. So they're they're like a cheap version of the San Francisco 49ers this week. Excuse me. All right, so <laughs> we'll go ahead and throw in the Broncos, who are only 2,400. I love that play I mean, we got as much as we want here. We can At- do whatever. Um, so we could we could put in Kittle and then and then do something else. Well, we'd have to take out, I guess, Jennings um, or CMC, but we're not going to find anybody gonna, else. Are we going to play the triple? 32. Do you want to just play the? Do, let's just play. Do you want to just play the triple stack, dude? That would mean that that no other out, game. I'm fine with this. No other game would have to hit, or would be would be hitting. If I we mean, did we that, have right? access. We have access to the Chiefs through Sky. We have access to the Raiders and uh and and Chargers. I'm okay with this. I would if this is a scenario where if we were to play this lineup and Debo was to be active, I would make some substitutions. But if Debo's out, I'm entirely okay with trying to capture the entirety of this 49ers offense and getting Tyree Kill. I mean, we saw last week that the big slant shipped with four Raiders. Mm, okay. Um, let's, let's, have, let's, 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 let's make this a fun lineup. Let's, let's go. Kill. Yeah, do? triple sack. Grappo could end up. Yes, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. This I mean, you know, Jimmy's in... not getting any of it through the ground. Right? Yeah, like, of it. Like it's, so it's going to be through the air, and, and we've decided it's going to these guys. Ayuk's going to like twist an ankle on the first play of the game, and then we're rolling. Jacob, I love unique lineups, and that was painful for me to send through. I don't think I've ever, uh, in my right mind, done a triple stack on a receiving uh, 49ers team, like or for receivers for 49ers, because we either have Trey Lance, we have Jimmy Chi being the quarterback of the past few years. I, I've never done this. This is the first time Jacob you popped a cherry. Thank you very much. Look at that. Oh All right. God. Look, if you, I will say this before we get to our quick flag plants. Uh, look, we made some bold predictions this week. We're we predicting You're that wild. four members of the San Francisco 49ers are going to be in the optimal lineup this week. Uh, we also made some bold predictions about Sky Moore. You know, we think that he's going to continue to keep up uh, this volume, potentially find the end zone this week. If you want to make a bold prediction on a player that you think is going to see their value start to rise, there is no better place to make that prediction, of course, than Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is the site that allows you to buy and trade and sell players 
like their shares, make sure to head over to Prediction Strike. And if you are going to head over to Prediction Strike, you absolutely must, you absolutely must use promo code Underworld. That will give you a free player share of your choosing with a $20 deposit. Make sure to head over to Prediction Strike. And now we're going to predict which of our players are going to strike this week. Who, who are you flag planning? Who is your top play of the week this week? I mentioned it. I mentioned it. And uh, you're going to hate this one, but I'm going to roll with it anyways. So Elijah Moore with Mike White at quarterback has seen 20 targets, 9.9 yards per attempt, a 10% touchdown rate, eight first downs on 12 receptions, 60% completion rate. Zach Wilson, 56 targets, 5.1 yards per attempt, uh, 1.8% touchdown rate. That's it's oof, that's brutal. And then 13 first downs on 25 receptions with a 44% completion rate. I don't know what is going on over there. Like, I don't know what kind of connection they have. If it's like the Alan Lazard Rogers thing where they, they have Thanksgiving together and you know, they do all this weird stuff with like their families together. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but Mike White and Elijah Moore just click. Jacob, do you remember when, when last year there was like a five game stretch where Elijah Moore was the wide receiver one? Oh. For, for five, it was like five games. He was rolling. And then last week, we just saw him, you know, towards defense. Like, th- they have their chemistry, right? They have everything that's happening. And this one's reach, right? I- I've hit. Last week, I hit Geno Smith for the most part, right? He-, he ended up paying off at, like, the second highest points per dollar. Or maybe it was third or fourth highest. Either way, it was top five highest points per dollar for that. The week before that, I hit on, on Jonathan Taylor. The week before that, I hit on Jonathan Taylor. Ended up hitting on somebody else. The week, like, I've hit on everyone. This one is getting risky, right? This one's getting dangerous. This one's just getting a little weird, okay? So I'm going with Elijah Moore, who did not have chemistry because chemistry was not developed, right? Now he's in love with the ball. The ball loves him. I, I, I just don't know how it doesn't happen for Elijah Moore this week. I'm going Elijah Moore. You don't think that, it, that one of the ways it doesn't happen is that he plays like 30% of the snaps? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The ball <laughs> loves him now. Have you seen that the ball loves him? The ball That's loves true. Elijah Moore. The ball don't lie. Ball the ball don't, don't lie. lie. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, I str- I struggled with with um with which one to pick here because you know I think that there's a lot of high price guys, you know, high profile guys that you could pick and choose from and you know, that's tough. That's it's 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 tough to justify planting my flag on somebody that, you know, everybody loves. And then I was thinking maybe I'd get really spicy, go with like a Sky Moore, you know, dumpster diving. But I'm like, yeah, that seems a little bit sketchy. And then I was like, should I do one of the injured guys? I was like, no, I tried that earlier this year with Swift, and that that felt really painful. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to make my most off-brand flag plant of the year. Okay, I mentioned all the factors at play where we have Miami's high-octane offense. We have their pass-funnel defense. We have their grinder back and Elijah Mitchell out. We have Christian McCaffrey potentially dealing with knee tendinitis, like a 65-year-old senior citizen at his pickleball game. And so what are you about to do? What are you doing? All roads lead to all roads lead to the handsome one, Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe that Jimmy Garoppolo, who we just rolled out a Jimmy G triple stack, is the key to be able to get access to one of the most exciting games on this slate and build in additional high price pieces like you just saw us able to do with Austin Eckler and CMC and Tyreek Hill. So I'm taking my flag and I'm planting it on James Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo will be the one that brings you the million dollars, just like his million dollar smile. 
and I'm planting it on James Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo will be the one that brings you the million dollars, just like his million dollar smile. <laughs>